Hello once again. Welcome uh, to another quarantined edition of PFL, Pod for Life, your Tennessee football podcast. I am your host, David Ubbin. As always, my co-host, Joe Rexrode. Joining us, uh, Joe, uh, of course, we are not together in person right now. But what, what what's the last week been like in the in the Rex Road household? It, yeah, actually, this is a good time to point out that we are we are sort of like social distancing trendsetters, David. Like we we are I know we're very good at social <laughs> distancing with this pod in the first place. Uh, yeah, the la- you know is it has it been a week? I, I mean, I am time is very much being uh, mangled for me uh, right now. <laughs> so I'm often finding myself. Not remembering the day a week, and it uh, it feels like so much longer that we've been in this life. But you know we're hanging in there, um, trying to. You know the kids now have school stuff they can do. They don't actually have graded assignments, but teachers are sending us stuff for them to. I have three kids, so they in you know 15, 12, and nine. So you know they've got they've all have stuff to do. Try to let them go outside and run around a little bit and jump on the trampoline and. Um, and you know play some catch stuff like that and then we're doing the entire marvel universe right now which of course is on the disney uh disney plus thing so we're ripping through those and uh you know pretty soon i'll probably be letting my kids watch like you know all the r-rated movies and whatever but uh you know we're we're doing our best (laughs) yeah no free no free plugs joe uh i think uh yeah, now that now that everyone's off spring break, that probably helps at least for me. That the days of the week, I mean, you know, I have uh, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, teaching that helps to know what day of the week it is and to, you know, get out of bed and and put on clothes and have a somewhat normal schedule. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know, the the quiet conversation that's happening around college football is sort of what to expect come fall. And, and that, I think, honestly makes this worse. I mean, we talked about this last time, kind of the uncertainty of it all. But do the games get played? I, I personally think there's, there's too much money involved to not do that. You know, I, I talked about this on the radio a little bit yesterday. But right now, you know, not, not to put my uh, uber cynical hat on, but it's, it, it's very easy to cancel spring sports Um in the name of social distancing, even if you you are sad for the kids that are dealing with it. Joe, do you know why that is? Yeah, I mean, well, you're right, David. I mean, look, it's, I mean, for one thing, you know, to to, to be practical here, I mean, uh, you know, I did think initially, like, for example, the College World Series, which is, um, you know, something that people really do look forward to and has a following in the spring. I thought it was kind of early to zap that, although, it, you know, you look at it now and it's kind of obvious that it would have had to be. So, um, but certainly spring sports and, and canceling that and trying to get this done and, and, and the idea uh, of interrupting college football is so, so vastly different. I mean, as you and I both know, these athletic departments hinge on football and I mean, you know, a lot of municipality in Knoxville, let's take, for example, how big are those seven weekends a year to the city, uh, let alone to the athletic department. So just a mm-hmm. very, very different discussion. And, and that's why I, 
I think last time we talked, David, you said, you know, I, you know, I don't know. And even at that point, I was like, no, come on, man. There's no way, right? No, come on, David. <laughs> but now we're getting into all these things that seem unthinkable. And then a week later, it's like, no, actually, this could happen. But I do think, I think the, the television aspect of playing college football, I'll be shocked if that is not, if, if that's not figured out. The question is, to me is very, very much about, you know, the gatherings of large people. Will we be in a position to allow those to happen at, even at that point? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, still with the cynics hat on the, you know, the spring sports are operating in the red. So if you cancel those, you know, a lot of those travel funds, uh, if you're probably going to get much of that money back or at least kick the can down the road and maybe use those for next year, so you may actually be making money by canceling spring sports. Now, basketball pays for itself. Obviously, there is no um, you know, financial impetus to cancel March Madness. That is going to be a, a problem. Um, but, uh, and this is not a Tennessee issue. This is a college sports across the country issue. Uh, I, I'm curious to see if they, you know, again, when there was so much uncertainty, Football is a little bit different, but your, your moral compass and your financial compass are pointing in the same direction when you cancel spring sports. When you get to football, I mean, if, fo- if football season is significantly impacted, I mean, this is a, a nuclear bomb going off on every college campus across the country, especially those in the major conferences that have those huge TV deals. Um, so I, I'm fascinated. I, I, I could, you know, these are when you're going to have much more difficult conversations and who knows what the world looks like in July and uh, August. I don't even know what the world's going to look like in April. Um, but I, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out because I really don't know. And, and all the, obviously all those conversations are going to be shaped um, directly by what happens in the next um uh, you know, a few weeks. And, and I think, you know, talking to people around college sports and, and just talking to people that you, you deal with and kind of what's going on, you hear a, a lot of those things and you hear a lot of fears about, well, if they move things too quickly and this thing roars back, things look exactly like they do right now in August. Maybe it gets quiet over the summer and things kind of go back to normal and then cases pick up. And so there's a sense from them that, hey, maybe they want to play it more uh, conservative right now, but again, uncertainty is the key word here. Uh, but those decisions, uh, as they're made, I mean, certainly you're not going to see anything uh, hard line made until I would think at least late July at the earliest. I mean, uh, but when you see the Olympics get kicked to next year, uh, and that's what three weeks before camps open or three weeks before the season starts, something along those lines. I have to look at the exact dates. When those are already getting kicked to the next year. Uh, when they're still, you know, three months in the future, that is, uh, everyone in college sports should be concerned. But, but this is something that's that's uh, again, these are quiet conversations because it's so far in the future, and obviously America still has not quite seen the peak of, of how bad things are going to get uh, with this COVID nineteen situation. Uh, but what do you make of of these decisions and and the where where college sports sits, especially at Tennessee? Well, what I make of it is that, look, we have a lot of time right now, all of us to, I mean, and and of course, if you're in that industry, you have to think of these things and all the possibilities, and you have to think of the worst case scenario. But you mentioned the Olympics, David, a huge thing there to remember is that these athletes who 
are participating in the Olympics, this is absolutely, again, this is an every four-year thing. So you think about training camp for an athlete going into a season. You know, this is this right now is a time where the training is absolutely essential and you have to have access to everything. And a lot of these athletes don't. And so it's like, I mean, like, so it's not just like, oh, you know, this is in July. That's a lot of this has to do with what right now can't happen with athletes. And it's like, Mm. you know, big reason Canada sort of started the domino effect. So it's not, I mean, there's a lot more to it. You know, when you talk about um, our seasonal sports, even though it wouldn't be ideal if the NFL teams have no OTAs and mini camps and all that stuff, I mean, they can still function. Everyone's on a level playing field. Um, So like, I just, I, Right now, what is happening, David, is is the product of a time before we really did anything in this country to try to to try to flatten the curve, as as the mm-hmm. popular you know phrase goes. We're about to get the data, you know, in in the coming days of whether any of that's working. And a month from now, we'll have a much better picture. And of course, mm-hmm. it, just so much right now. I mean, I could see if th- if people are being responsible. And, and we, you know, it's great to see, you know, auto companies and different, you know, making, you know, ventilators and, and surgical masks. I mean, you're seeing some things happen. This is all about really not allowing our, our hospitals to be overwhelmed, as we have seen happen in Italy. So I still think a few weeks from now, we'll have a much better idea and with more testing about whether it's working or not. And, and you know, it could look very, it could go either way. I just think you have to keep an open mind on all of it. So I think all this talk is it's worst case scenario. I'm still, mm-hmm. maybe I'm a little Pollyanna here, but I still think if we all are doing what we're supposed to be doing, I, I, you know, I think it could look a lot different, you know, in May and June but to your point there, the idea of, wow, the economy's really struggling. We got to try to open some stuff back up. And then another spike, that's when you really mess with football season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, zooming in on Tennessee, we had some pretty big news last week. Uh, Craig Fitzgerald uh, leaves Tennessee. I can tell you that Within Tennessee's program, they were this was not something that they had anticipated. Uh, obviously, obviously, Jeremy Pruitt made some public comments. Uh, his only media availability of the spring after the first practice, you know, talking about how you know Fitzgerald got some calls. Uh, there's a strong intimation that that was Alabama after Scott Cochran left. Um, but but uh, you know he left, and I, and I think right now when you're trying to operate an entire program remotely and the strength staff is of course going to be very involved in that. It's a pretty worst case scenario for Tennessee. I I think big picture, you know, uh, the program is going to be fine. You know, I've, uh, I think you look at four things that can affect the program during this, during this time. One, do you have a first year coach? That's absolute nightmare scenario for the Eli Drinkwitz and the Sam Pittman's of the SEC absolute worst case scenario this is you know you're not going to get a spring uh two do you have a new quarterback that's a problem um right now because they're not going to be able to get that work in three do you have uh a, a whole bunch of new guys um you know tennessee doesn't have that they're going to return depending on how you define starters 16 to 18 starters from last year's team 
Tennessee is in pretty good shape in terms of continuity. And, of course, four, do you have scheme changes? Tennessee does not have any of those. Tennessee is lucky right now that they're not checking any of those boxes. Um, but losing your strength coach is a problem right now um, because that guy knows a lot uh, of what every player is on and what every player needs and, and the plan that they're on and, and sort of uh, what – things need to look like, how to communicate with those guys. And now it's sort of up to the lieutenants. Uh, what was your big takeaway from Craig Fitzgerald leaving uh, or the interview that, that we'll get into here in a second? Yeah, well, I, as you point out there, David, there are a lot of thing, a lot of programs right now that would be envious of, of Tennessee's situation because they have a lot of things that are in place. And, um, you know, some this, this time that people aren't getting to do work really is hurting – other places that are in more transition more than more than it will hurt Tennessee but th- that's a big loss and and not a well-timed loss I mean there's no question about it so um, I thought you know I thought first of all good job getting him um, and you know obviously he was very careful um, you know that you asked him about Pruitt's reaction I think it was you know that's neither here nor there <laughs> which to me like when I, when I read that I'm like so he was really mad <laughs> you know? but but I mean, I, I, look, if I'm Jeremy Pruitt right now, I'm like, no, not now, you know. I mean, it's just this is just a terrible time. It's already hard enough, I'm sure, to try for all these strength coaches and strength programs to try to, you know, communicate and get guys to to do a lot of things that you need them to do during this time. This is the time of year. I mean, strength coaches, as everybody knows, they spend more time with players than any coach, any other coach in a program by far. Uh, so, you know, even though everyone has to be distanced right now, if you've got your strength coach in charge and you know what your program is, then you know this is it's critical for them to implement it and to do what they can do. And so now Tennessee's in that sort of limbo, and, and uh, they're going to have to make do. But, um, you know, look, the guy had a great opportunity, and I understand the – allure of the nfl so i mean i i get it it's just it just doesn't work out time wise for the, for the balls mm-hmm. yeah before we get into that you can you can hear that answer i asked him about pruitt uh right now opportunity with the giants was uh a combination of professional and personal as far as that's where my family is from and my wife's family so it's just one of those things where the timing is never great i would have would have liked to spend as much time as possible at tennessee but the opportunity was um, was was too hard to pass up on a personal and professional level. So yeah, I mean, I think that those comments are colored by kind of what we talked about, you know, in, in our conversation, where you know the exact quote um, from Craig was, "I don't want to be the guy who talks too much when he's not there anymore," you know. And I think, you know, he's very very uh, quiet. I mean, some of that I think is probably from Pruitt's perspective, but some of that's his personality too. He's not a big talker. I think, you know what I took, uh, I came here and well, I guess technically started covering the team in like May of 2018. And I think Fitzgerald has done one interview, maybe two, um, in the whole time that he's been there. Um, at least on the record anyway. Um, and so, this it was rare to hear from him and so he's already a guy that doesn't talk very much and you know i mentioned in the story too i appreciate him calling me back but uh pretty tight-lipped 
Uh, I think he just, you know, he didn't really want to talk about Tennessee, kind of talk about his future and, and his time there. But um, that was pretty much it. I think he's, you know, I do these exit interviews all the time. I think he's the first person to ever refuse to answer the question of where's Tennessee's program in five years. I don't think I'd read much into that. I think he just didn't really want to comment on Tennessee. Uh, but any yeah, other, some any people other just don't like to get into that. that. Yeah, any other takeaways yeah. from, from his time? No, I mean, that's, well, look, I think the big thing is obviously – and you wrote this. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt has been outspoken about uh, the job he's done and and how important it is. And I, all Tennessee fans understand uh, what can happen when you have when you have uncertainty and you have transition in the strength program because that was, I think, a big part of the downfall of the Butch Jones tenure. So um, it's uh, it's a critical position, and you know, I, I just, I, I yeah, I think. The interview, yeah, I would not read into something like that where he doesn't want it because yeah, a lot of people are going to say yeah, it's going to be great or or they'll they'll put in their two cents. He strikes me as a guy who just doesn't like to put in his two cents on much. So, mm-hmm. um, but Pruitt the same it, way. It, now I yeah. do think I do think I do read into his comment about Pruitt that that we talked about earlier. I, I think that usually when I've asked coaches about you know coaches that have left, like oh you know he understood. That's what you hear. He understands. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't hear that. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but I, I know the general feeling inside the building. I would, I have not heard the word anger, but I've heard the word shocked and I've heard the word, uh, just did not see that coming. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things, Tennessee's got to, got to deal with it. But like we said, this is a blow, but I think big picture considering all the upheaval in college football, Tennessee, you know, they can count their blessings right now more than they can uh, lick their wounds over Fitzgerald leaving. Uh, shifting shifting gears a little bit, uh, thanks to all of you guys, I'm sure some of the listeners did, who filled out our, our subscriber survey uh, for fans to get a sense of, of where Tennessee fans are at. Uh, we asked you guys a bunch of questions, and you answered them all. I wrote about it a little bit. Uh, the two things that jumped out to me were, one, more than three quarters of fans believing that Jeremy Pruitt will win the SEC, but only a quarter of fans believing that he can win a national championship. I mean, the reality is it's easier to win, or it's easier to get in the playoff than it is to win the SEC. That's just, that's, that's factual. And two, the favorite player. I thought, I thought Trey Smith was going to run away with that. To have a freshman linebacker from California that fans had never even probably heard of, most of them, until, what, January of last year probably when his recruitment started to pick up a little bit because he was, he was headed to Bama for a long time. For that, you know, in one year basically, for him to become the favorite player on a roster is, is wild and outpaced Trey Smith, who obviously fans have had a long relationship with, an in-state guy, number one recruit in the country, all of that. Uh, that was shocking to me. He only won by a vote, but man, it makes you wonder what he can be uh, to this fan base and what he can mean to this fan base by the time his career is over. What were your major takeaways from uh, uh, from from what the fans had to say? Yeah, no, I would agree. That one really surprised me for sure. Trey Smith would seem to be the the runaway winner there, and like you said, just. In terms of the the longer time, I mean, you know, going back to his recruitment, he was such a coveted player, talked about, you know, he was a high school junior. So um, it's such a longer relationship. And then for him to, to come back and do the Peyton Manning line and all that stuff, I mean, that to me, I would have guessed he would have had over 50%. I'd also like to see, David, 
you know, a year earlier, what, like, where would, like, what would Jawan Jennings' percentage have been? I would be interested, because maybe, maybe not as high as I would think, because maybe some people, you know, thought he was, you know, got in trouble too much or whatever, but I would think it would be really, really high. Um, yeah, mid-season those, this year, he probably would have been off the charts, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I think a lot of this, yeah, I think that it, you made the good point there that, um, you know, that if you're going to win an SEC title, then you're right there for the national title. That's kind of a, an odd split. Someone in the comments actually kind of answered you and said, you know, Georgia is, you know, there's an example of, you know, a program that did one, not the other. And that's true. But how cl- they were one incredible to a throw from actually doing it, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. So they basically, they've um, had Bama beat a couple times. <laughs> Coughed yeah, it up both right. times, yeah. But I think overall, I mean, I think this speaks to, again, how different would the results have been, you know, at one and four, obviously. Um, There's a lot more optimism about the program here, um, you know, based on obviously the finish. And it shows you how quickly things can change in so many ways, inside a program, outside perception, all that. I did think, you know, you mentioned, I would say if there's one thing I disagree with you a little bit, you know, it's kind of your take on the, recruiting and I think that was also you went back and forth in the comments on that too I mean the thing about recruiting is and it is very much development no doubt about it but some of the Butch Jones classes I think were inflated you know I mean that's um high stars low offers idea Mm -hmm. yeah there were some and, and even talking to high school football people here in Tennessee you know it's been and of course a lot of this is like after the fact but you hear from people like, yeah, like th- that was an inflated ranking. That was an inflated ranking. And he was so caught up in having a good ranking on signing day versus, I think, the hope. And so far what we're seeing is that Pruitt is like, okay, I want the best football players that fit us, and I don't care what the rankings are. I mean, that's how you've got to do it. And I think mm-hmm. – and then, of course, and of course, you've got to develop them better individually as well. And that's where I think the hope is that even though Pruitt's – you know, rankings are not as as high as Butch's. Again, the 2019 class, as you pointed out, so far, that's a high hit rate, and it, it lends optimism to the future that he's going to keep stacking classes like that. Rankings be darned. You're still within the target range of, you know, having really good players. And then if you, if you have evaluated them better than other people and if you develop them better than other people, and they're going to end up being much better classes than Butch's, most of Butch's, if not all of Butch's. Yeah, I think when you talk about recruiting, everyone really underrates the evaluation period, and that is multiple things. Uh, I mean, everybody thinks they're doing it right. Uh, the ones that are, it, it kind of comes out in the wash, but that's two things. That's one, how good is this guy really? Um, guys can be different at camps. Um, guys can be a little soft. Guys can be have questionable work ethic. How much do they really love the game? Those kind of things. You've got to get to know a guy. And then, of course, does he fit what you do? Can he fit into your system and do the things that you want him to do? I mean, you know, Jerry Pruitt, he doesn't he, he doesn't like to be super forthcoming in his, his uh, recruiting evaluations, but this year he did talk a little bit about how they recruit corners, and obviously they want guys who can tackle uh, in the open field, guys who can cover man. And then, of course, there's size, size and speed kind of baselines that they feel like they have to have. Um, and, and, you know, if, you, if you're not going to see Tennessee recruit a guy. He may be a five-star corner, um, but if he's just kind of an athlete and he's not a very good tackler and he's not uh, great in man coverage, Tennessee's probably going to back off of him. 
I mean, I can tell you there's multiple guys in state right now that have really high rankings that, that Tennessee is not all that enthralled by. Uh, so, you know, are they right? Maybe. they. I'm sure they believe they are. If a guy goes, you know, leaves the state and blows up somewhere else, yeah, of course, that's going to blow up in their face. That's that's what recruiting is. I mean, recruiting, in a lot of ways, I think people, uh, there's always gambles. You might not believe in a guy, and he proves you wrong. That's part of the game. Um, but, of course, the, the good ones are going to be able to evaluate. And so far, again, I, I think the, the biggest thing that worked in his favor, and I mentioned this briefly in the piece, but that 2019 class, Regardless of ranking, when you had so many guys make an impact right away, obviously Henry Toto on the top of that list. Number three on our favorite player list, uh, Eric Gray. I was surprised to see him that high. I didn't even think about him, honestly. And the vote started rolling in. I was like, well, he did finish the season pretty strong, and he has had some flashy plays. It's pretty interesting. Um, but, of course, Darnell Wright, uh, Wanya Morris, uh, Ramel Keaton has shown some some flashes. Um, and so they had a lot of guys that hit in that class and guys that they needed to contribute that, that did that. And so it's, uh, yeah, I think that helps when you can see the, the fruits of the recruiting labor pay off so quickly. Um, but it's, it's interesting. And then of course the other big thing on the fan survey, Jarek Garantano, uh, we'll call his relationship with the fan base complicated through no fault of his own. I mean, he, he tries his best. He has a, a knucklehead factor. That's, that's very, very low. Um, you know, he, he does what you need him to do and, and he works pretty hard. He wants to do those things and he's got his issues. He's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he can, you know, he's got some physical skills, but obviously um, the fans, you know, the, the decision-making has been an issue. His accuracy was a little bit shaky this year. And then of course the Alabama debacle, uh the death threats all that and yet i ask fans who do you want to start not who will start who do you want to start more than half said jared garantano 36 percent harrison bailey what did you make of the results of that question yeah well early after shortly after you posted the survey you texted me you know, there's some surprising stuff and one of them i think was like early on it was like 70 percent, right that, that people were saying on garantano and i did say i think that'll probably level off uh to a point, I still, I mean, honestly, I, I'm impressed that we're above 50% on that one. And this is where you, I like, I love that you did this survey and I, we should use surveys more because you can definitely uh, be fooled by small groups of very loud people on social media. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, because I could swear during some Tennessee games when he's struggling, I'm thinking to the bowl, of the bowl game now, uh, when I spent half the game in mentions with people like, please don't let him return to campus. Uh, you know, you, you get this feeling like, oh my gosh, the whole fan base you know, can't stay in Garantano. Um, no, I mean, I think the, the level-headed take on this is that it makes sense for him as a senior who – did a lot of good things last year and, and really had a heck of a redemption story along with some bad moments and games and, and a need for a lot of improvement still. But he's clearly, and I think especially now that there's been no spring, that there will be no spring ball, clearly the choice there. So, you know, I think that was more than 50%. That, that I think that speaks well of Tennessee fans, frankly. And 36 is a big percentage for Harrison Bailey. Now, I understand if you're asking the question, too, some people would look at the question like, okay, want? Someone might say, listen, 
I understand that Garantano makes more sense and is probably the right choice, but I want Bailey because what that tells me is that Bailey is like this otherworldly talent who grasps everything right away and is ready. And now this team has a higher ceiling because he's ready. So I want that to happen because it speaks to he must have just been incredible to overcome the senior, right? I mean, you could mm-hmm. you could look at it that way. So I get the want there with Bailey. Um, but I think the the reasonable expectation is at least for starters, you know, Garantano's behind center. Mhm. Well, I'd encourage you guys to check it out. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the Athletic 90 days free. We have never done anything like this. Uh, we want people to be able to see what we have and, and experience that. And we've got some more really good stuff uh, coming for Tennessee fans. I can tell you there's plenty of stuff in the works uh, in the weeks to come. I think you guys will really enjoy. Uh, Joe, have you taken on any new hobbies or activities in your uh, time uh, within your uh, house arrest? <laughs> I, I I must I must admit not at all um, not, a, not a single thing um, I have been challenged to do a TikTok video so my daughter and I may I may do one of those goofy dancing TikTok videos at oh, some point I can't wait for uh, this this is this is on my list now <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll see we'll see but I mean she you know she's uh she's got some good routines and the question is whether I could you know keep up for. 10 seconds, but, um, no, it, that's, uh, I, I do have, I have some books that I want to read. Um, there's some other things, uh, there's some shows I want to watch. I know that's boring. Um, but I haven't really, I'm trying to like, at least go out, run, walk, walk the dog, you know, just try to stay active a little bit. But as of now, nothing, nothing new on the hobby front. How about you? Uh, nothing too fancy. I mean, I try to get some uh, some FaceTime or Zoom in with uh, with friends. It's kind of ironic, you know. Everybody's so busy, and now nobody's busy, and you know you can get together with folks uh, virtually, uh, physical distancing, not social distancing, of course. Um, and so that's that's been kind of cool, but it's it's a it's a weird time, you know. Watch some stuff, you know. Uh, I've been told not to uh, drop any Tiger King spoilers, but that was. Uh, <laughs> Quite a watch. I lived. I lived in Oklahoma for nine months, and then I lived in Dallas for almost ten years after that. So I was aware of his existence, but just because it's hard not to be. And then he ran for governor of Oklahoma, of course, and got almost twenty percent of the vote. Uh, I think some folks might watch this documentary and regret that vote, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, to quote Craig <laughs> Fitzgerald, but but uh, but it's a it's a fascinating watch. Uh, and I would encourage folks to check it out. It's uh, I'm not sure what it is about the world of exotic animals that attracts uh, exotic human beings, but here we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife watched that some... one, and I've sort of go ahead. I've, I've sort of like I'm sorry. Yeah, she's she's watched that, and I've sort of had like listened to it in the background. And man, it's wild. I, I'm not sure yet <laughs> if I'm going to follow up and do the whole thing or not, but it is wild. <laughs> I would recommend it. I started playing some some Call of Duty Warzone, rapidly improving there. Uh, you know, we've, of course, got the puppy situation. So I, I felt bad for him because he got his final shots on Wednesday. So now he can go out in public and be around anyone except uh, humans can't. So tough break for Miles, <laughs> the golden retriever, on that one. <laughs> uh, the, we we, we got we to touch on food. We got to leave the people with what they want. Joe, what has your food situation looked like the last couple weeks? 
Well, first of all, uh, you know, PSA uh, on this, on, in, in general, PSA, you know, let's all listen to the doctors and scientists, first of all. Let's, let's, and let's please not make this political, okay? That's, that's one thing I want to say. Also, I want to say, let's not panic buy at the grocery store. We have so far just gone like normal shopping trips, and, uh, you know, that may require me to go on eBay for toilet paper here soon. Uh, but we have not been trying to hoard anything. If everybody just went on shopping trips, I think we'd all be fine. Um, but on the food front, we have really tried to do a lot of supporting local businesses with takeout. I mean, just about everyone that's open here in Nolansville either has added free delivery or they'll have curbside bring it out to you. So, um, so we've done a lot of, you know, places that we go to anyway, like Amico's is a local place, but it's New York style pizza. Campo Azul is our favorite Mexican restaurant here. And they have been providing food also for free to people in need. Um, so we have, you know, gone there multiple times and will again. And, um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, so obviously, you know, these places are, they're limited. They've had to cut staff. I mean, we don't know the situation, but if you can, if you have some, some, money to spare to to buy some of this and to maybe give a little bit more on the tip and things like that you know it would mean a lot to people uh black rabbit is next on our list in nashville that's my wife and i love this place um they have the most incredible sourdough i've ever had it's unbelievable with vegetable butter uh they also have these things rabbit rolls they've got it's a it's a small plate place limited menu but they are doing sort of a, a specific menu every day uh, so we're actually doing that tomorrow. Drive down there, curbside, bring it out. Um, Five Points Pizza, which was hit with the tornado in East Nashville. Uh, one of the places I have not tried yet, which is ridiculous, but w that's on the list. They have opened back up and are providing slices. So we're going to go out there. And, and I know that in our neighborhood, we have food trucks coming now. A lot of these places are kind of mobilizing and teaming up and going to different neighborhoods and stuff. Uh, there's a Korean barbecue place that I've been wanting to try um, that is uh, coming out here soon. So I'm, we're excited about that. So I, we're as much as we're trying to like cook and, and things like that, we're having fun with that at home. Also, we're actually going out more than normal now on the takeout front just to try to you know keep these places going and, and give them a little bit of support. Yeah, I think I'd encourage people, you know, if you have the means right now, of course, people are hurting. Um, but I, I can't tell you how hard this has hit restaurants uh, in general. We've seen a couple go out of business already uh, in the Knoxville area. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've tried to do what we can, um, and, and, and we'll kind of see, you know, how this plays out, but that's, uh, that's very cool. I personally get all of my global pandemic takes from sports radio talk show hosts. So, uh, you know, of course I, <laughs> of course I, I have a very different view on these things, but no, I, I think, uh, you know, the home cooking is always nice as well. Uh, if you can't do that, I got to say, I, I was, uh, getting in the lab, Joe, and made some, uh, cinnamon raisin bagel french toast over the weekend i saw that that looked amazing highly recommend well so my wife got these uh cinnamon raisin bagels but then she forgot to buy cream cheese they were just kind of sitting on the counter and i was like i'm not letting these things go to waste and i was curious if it would work now i did have to soak it a little bit longer in the in the custard but it worked better than i thought it was going to and this and uh we i usually use brioche or um that uh, that Sara Lee artisano bread I actually like, but there's more sugar content in those bread in those in those breads, and it's actually a little too sweet. I actually liked in the bagel, it wasn't quite that sweet. So obviously I have the syrup in there, but it was kind of sometimes it can get a little overboard. So I really did like it. 
Uh, highly recommend those. I like to go a little bit uh, of an eggy or custard, light on the milk, heavy on the eggs. Um, but we've, you know, we've got some chili going this week. We try to go out on the weekends. I've, I got some moonshine cookies last uh, last week. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see uh, what all is, is going. It's tough. You know, in West Knoxville, there are some local places, but it's not quite the same as uh, being closer to, like, Old City or, or downtown. But I also don't mind making a drive. So definitely this weekend, I'm probably going to have to hit up, uh, you know, some stock and barrel, maybe some abridged, some of those, some of those places. So, again... If you've got the means, um, please try to support uh, support those local places. So, Joe, that will do it for this week's episode. Any any parting thoughts you want to leave us with? Well, I will. One more on the food thing. So I, I figured out. So this, you, I don't know if you have told me about this. I've heard about this place, Funk Soul Brother. That is Seoul, as in Seoul, South Korea, uh, Korean barbecue place. But they've got the Funk Soul truck coming. So uh, Steve Cavendish has tweeted out a picture of the bulgogi cheese steak. And, I mean, Ooh. like, I am so excited about this. Oh, man. This truck is apparently coming to our neighborhood. So, like, the bulgogi cheese steak is, is absolutely in my crosshairs right now. So that's my I'll take three thought. of those. I'm a huge, <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge Korean food advocate. Uh, and I say yes. that while also admitting that I don't really like kimchi. But the bulgogi, Same here. some of the side dishes, the, the the scallion pancakes, all those little things, I am uh, a huge advocate of all Korean food except for kimchi. So it's good to uh, – uh, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous right now. Every time I go out of town, I try to get some Korean barbecue if I can. There's only, you know there's only two all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue places in the entire island of Manhattan? I ate at one the last time I yeah well because it's it's tough to make it's tougher to make money and so most of them are are controlled amounts of meat and that's no fun so <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't not. recommend I will, going I'll to Manhattan text for that right now <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point I'll text you pictures when the Funk Soul truck hits hits uh, my street so I'm excited I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 a little bit jealous I gotta say uh, well thanks for tuning in guys you like the show. Rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. You can listen to us in the Athletic app. You can listen to us in the Apple Podcasts app. If you haven't subscribed to the Athletic, there is quite literally, even without sports, never a better time than right now. 90 days free. Uh, if you want to check us out, theathletic.com backslash free 90 days. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. PFL says thank you as well. We'll see you guys again very soon. Mm-hmm.